all of you to our worship services today here at Grace Church in Franklin, Tennessee on Arno Road, and we welcome all of you who may be viewing by the internet. We hope that you'll tune in each week, and if you're in Franklin, that you'll come by or in the Nashville area and worship with us. David wrote in Psalm 111, Praise ye the Lord, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. And we're now going to praise the Lord, and Joshua is going to come and lead us. Good morning, Grace Church. Good morning, everybody. Over the internet, number 263 in your hymnal. Y'all want to stand up with me? A shelter in the time of storm. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied. A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a time of storm a shade by day defense by night a shelter in the time of storm no fears alarm no foes of fright a shelter in the time of storm oh jesus is a rock in a weary land a weary shelter in the time of storm. Raging storms may round us beat, a shelter in the time of storm. We'll never leave our safe retreat, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary time of storm be thou our helper ever near a shelter in the time of storm oh jesus is a rock in a weary land a weary land a weary land oh jesus is a rock in a weary land a shelter in the time of storm can be seated. I think we're going to have some announcements. Well, good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you. We're always glad to see those who the Lord has brought to participate in worship service today, and we would like to welcome those who are joining us by the internet. We have a tremendous privilege that God has blessed us with the opportunity of coming and assembling together that we might encourage one another, that we might be encouraged in the word, exhorted by the word, 
that we might, in this weary land, we can have an oasis, we can come here and find some refreshing for our soul in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share a few prayer requests with you. Uh, this past Wednesday, Judy LaPetri was taken to the hospital because, again, her heart had caused some problems. She'd stopped breathing, and they implanted a pacemaker. She is at home and doing well, so let's continue to uplift her. Also want to remember Teresa Hargrove. She has had her test, and the results of those tests show that everything is good. So we're thankful. We praise the Lord for that. And we want to continue to pray for our sister Shirley Murphy that uh, has had some problem with her heart rate. Her shoulder is slowly improving, and so we're thankful for that. I want to continue to remember our brother Wally Haddon, who at this point has had no change or very little change in his condition. So let's remember him and Mary as she ministers to him. I want to remember our brother Carl Perry's brother, Bobby, who is battling cancer. We have a word of praise. Betty Hethcock uh, praises the Lord that her son Kevin is seeing 2025 out of his right eye after recent surgery. And they have scheduled surgery for the left eye in about two weeks. So let's remember him that all will go well. Also want to remember uh, Denise and David Shalow, friends of the church and the pastor as they've gone out to Texas for some medical tests. Also want to continue to pray for Ted Britton as he recovers from uh, a double bypass procedure. Also our sister Patricia Jackson and uh, George Bishop who continues to have post-shingle pain. Also want to remember Jaya McCarthy, who is battling cancer. And <clears throat> I thought I, well, I've seen his wife, Pam, but my brother Todd is not here. He's still not feeling well, <clears throat> but has seen some improvements for which he is grateful. So praise the Lord, or pray that the Lord will restore him to full health. And then we also want to remember uh, Carolyn Batt, who suffered a fall, injuring her back and fracturing two ribs. Uh, also want to remember Howie Smith as he serves in the military. And also want to remember his younger brother, Nathan Smith. Nathan's over here. He's been going to the doctor with an eye problem and... We need to pray for him that the doctors will know what to do, see what they can do to uh, help him with that problem. But you know, for a young man that was not even supposed to be here some 18 years ago, the Lord has blessed him and he is able to take care of that problem with his eyes. So let's pray for him that the Lord would encourage him. You know, David said that he uh, remembered the blessings and the deliverances of God and that encouraged him. So. We'll ask that the Lord use that for Nathan as well. Also, as a reminder, if you would like to give a gift to the Lord, 
There is an offering box out in the foyer on the little uh, round table that you can make your offerings there, but uh, we'll be thankful. Well, good morning again to everybody. If anybody is just now joining us over the internet, we want to say welcome. <clears throat> We're on uh, Sermon Audio Video, YouTube, and Ustream, so we want to welcome you this morning. <clears throat> Our services begin at 1045 every morning, and then we kind of have a little changeover at 11 o'clock, which has typically been our normal uh, service time. We have some more singing, and then Brother Bill teaches us from the Lord's Word. Let's see, 462, Sunshine in My Soul today. There is sunshine in my soul today, more glorious and bright than glows in any earthly sky. For Jesus is my Sunshine when the peaceful, happy moments roll. When Jesus shows his smiling face, there is sunshine in my soul. There is music in my soul today, a carol to my King. And Jesus listening can hear. Songs I cannot sing. Oh, the sunshine, blessed sun, shine when the peaceful, happy moments roll. When Jesus shows his smiling face, there is sunshine in my soul. Okay, now that side. There's music in my soul today, springtime. For when the Lord is near, the dove sings in my heart, the flowers of grace appear. Let's go back to the chorus. There's sunshine, blessed sun, shine when the peaceful, happy moments roll. When Jesus shows his smiling face, there is sunshine in my soul. There is gladness in my soul today, and hope and praise and love for blessings which he gives me now, and for joys laid up above. Oh, the sunshine, blessed sun, shine with the peaceful, happy moments roll. Sunshine in my soul. <clears throat> Amen. Let's see here. Brother Bill, it's, uh, Pastor, it's 1057. You want me to do another one, or are you ready to, what's that? Go ahead. Okay. Let's do this one other one. <clears throat> Tom and Linda, you are here. Good. Miss Linda brought up to our attention when they first started worshiping with us this song called The Lighthouse and she's been asking me to do it so let's let's do this real quick in the time we have left 
I want y'all, if you don't know the verses, just sing the chorus with me. There's a lighthouse on a hillside that overlooks life's sea. And when I'm tossed, it sends out a light that I might see. And that light that shines in darkness now will safely lead me o'er if it wasn't for that lighthouse my ship would sail no more well everybody that lets the key change up to deep Well, everybody that lives around us, they say, why don't you tear that old lighthouse down? You see, the big ships, they don't sail this way anymore. There's no use in it standing round. But my mind goes back to that stormy night when just in time I saw the light it was the light from that old lighthouse and he's standing there on the hill y'all say amen and I thank is the lighthouse and from the rocks of sin he has shown his light all around me that I might clearly see if it wasn't for that lighthouse where has stood the test of time two thousand years remained and the light he shines is still undimmed by man's dark ways and that light shines bright on heaven's shore from Jesus Christ God's only door So sinner gaze upon that shoreline And the Lamb will lead you home And I thank God for the lighthouse I owe my life to Him is the lighthouse and from the rocks of sin he 
has shown his light all around me that I might clearly see if it was and for that lighthouse where would this ship be if it was and for that lighthouse where would this ship be <laughs> all right amen I even know who wrote that song <laughs> anybody out there know who wrote it guy named Rusty Goodman. Back in the days when you used to watch these quartets singing on television, uh, and you had the Happy Goodman family. Any of you remember them? Okay, well, Rusty Goodman was the, one of the brothers. He, I think he died uh, the first, he was the first in his family, and he's the one who, who wrote that song. All right, we had a couple of requests, but we have to sing anyway. And think about that, and you'll, you'll understand what that means. Here are two old songs that we're going to teach you this morning. One is called, I Can't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Sue was playing that last week at the end of the service. And Jesus, hold my hand. Would you like to stand together with us one more time?
second song. Ready? As I travel through this pilgrim, there is a friend who walks with me. And we safely through the sinking sand. It is the cry of Calvary. This would be my prayer, my Lord, each day. You help me do the best I you just remain standing for the reading of the scripture, okay? We're going to ask the Lord to help us this morning as we do every Sunday. Or any time we open God's Word, help us to understand the Scripture. 
We have a lot of ground to cover today, and I hope you'll pray for me that I can cover it in a way that's understandable to you. Let's ask the Lord's help. Father, I stretch my hands to see all of you today, and we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to also welcome those of you who may be watching in by the internet. We do have some faithful viewers from across the country. Uh, Brother Turner reported that the other evening we were on YouTube, Ustream, and Sermon Audio Video, and we've had nearly 4,000 people who've been watching on Sermon Audio Video. So that's good. We praise the Lord for that. You can watch those uh, services, listen to those messages uh, anytime you have a phone or an iPad or, of course, a, uh, just a computer. Genesis chapter 37, Genesis chapter 37. I'm dealing with a little series called The Story of Joseph. Today is the seventh study and I've just subtitled this, The Dreams of Joseph, Part 2. I'll explain more in just a moment. Genesis chapter 37. We're introduced to Joseph in the second verse, and he is 17 years old, and he's feeding the flock with his brothers, his half-brothers, the sons of uh, Zilpah and Billah. And uh, he brought to his father's what's called in the King James Version an evil report. It doesn't mean that the report was evil. It means it was a report about them doing some evil things, some bad things. And so his brothers envied him, it says in verse 11, uh, uh, and his father observed the saying. What did he observe the saying? Well, Joseph had a dream. It says here in verse 5, Chapter 37, verse 5, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he made the bad mistake of telling it to his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word, and let God's people say praise the Lord, and you may be seated now, in our last study at the dreams of Joseph, we considered the interpretation of Joseph's dreams. We considered the impact those dreams had upon his brothers. I just read some of that. They envied him. They hated him. The dreams increased their envy, increased their hatred of him. We considered the nature of Joseph's predicted reign and dominion over his brothers. They said, you mean to tell us you've been dreaming that you're going to rule over us? Verse 8, his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Shall you have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. 
So I looked at, I, I taught you about the impact that this prediction that he would rule and reign over them had, especially in the light of the rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then lastly, we considered three reasons why the Lord may have given Joseph these dreams. And those three reasons were, he gave them this dream to encourage Joseph, because all the time that Joseph was going through all of these tough times, remember how old it was? He's 17 here. And when he became the prime minister of Egypt, he was, he was 30. There's 13 years. So for 13 years, he was lied to, lied about, put in prison, and made a criminal in 13 years. And all the time, I'm sure he remembered those dreams that the Lord had told him, I'm moving you up, but I'm going to move you up through all of these troubles and trials. The second reason the Lord gave those dreams was to rebuke his brothers, to humble his brothers, to let them know that Joseph indeed was the faithful and true uh, image. He's the image of Christ. I taught you about that. But he was the only one of the 12 brothers that was faithful. And the third reason that God gave these dreams was to show man who rules in the kingdom of men. The Lord rules. And we can do what we want to do. We can try to do this and try not to do that, avoid this and avoid that, and go here and don't go there. It's going to work out like the Lord says it's going to work out. That's the way it is. Now, you can trust Him because He'll work out all things for your good and for His glory if you trust in Him. The dreams of Joseph today, this part two, we're going to look more directly into dreams and dreaming. If I ask for a show of hands here today, probably everybody would raise their hands that you've had some dreams at some point in your life. The overarching thought here in Genesis 37 with regard to the dreams of Joseph is obvious, and it is this, that the Lord communicated his sovereign will for Joseph and his family by means of a dream. Now, the Bible has quite to say about dreams, but although fewer and fewer people believe the Bible, you might be surprised how many people in this godless and biblically ignorant generation are interested in dreams. So popular is the phenomenon of dreams and dreaming that on the Internet you can find guidelines to supposedly help you discover what your dreams mean. There are dream books, there are dream CDs, there are dream interpretation books, there are even dream dictionaries, a world of materials which propose to help you understand your dreams. Psychologists and psychiatrists have even tapped into the dream sensation. And some psychoanalysts claim that dreams, depending upon the interpretation, may enhance or diminish one's health. What is a dream? Well, it's difficult to arrive at a precise definition, but I think generally a good, simple, understandable definition is something like this. It's a series of thoughts, images, and sensations occurring in a person's mind during sleep. Would you agree with that? 
Now, dreams can take the forms of images, they can take the form of ideas, they can take the form of emotions that occur, and they occur involuntarily. When you're sleeping, you're not willing this dream. They happen involuntarily in the mind during stages of sleep. Now, how often do you think you dream? According to the National Sleep Foundation, the average person dreams four to six times each night. And you may spend as long as two hours dreaming, but the average dream is five to 20 minutes. But guess what? During a typical lifespan, if you add up all the time you spent dreaming, it's somewhere around six years. That gives new meaning to I'm dreaming my life away, doesn't it? <laughs> By the Everly Brothers. You remember that song, Dreaming? I'm dreaming my life away. There's been a lot of songs written about dreaming, a lot of books about dreaming. It's been determined that dreams often involve action, and they can be physically affected by the person dreaming can be physically affected by what you dream. Have you ever seen a dog whine or whimper or even bark while they are asleep? I have. It's not uncommon for human beings to speak out loud during the dream or to move their hands or to move their feet. It's possible for one to be so frightened in a dream and so exhausted because of running or fighting or some other action is dreamed about that you can actually have a heart attack. Of course, the dream doesn't cause a heart attack. You have a heart problem and the dream exposes it. The dream puts your heart through more than you're able to handle. It simply exposes an existing heart problem. So I would say if you have heart problems, you need to find a way not to dream. <laughs> That'd be my advice to you. The point is, what's going on in the mind, even if one is asleep, is at that time, at that time, it's reality. It's reality. What's going on in your mind while you sleep, that's reality. So if you dream you're running, your heart might start beating faster. If you dream you're running, your feet might start moving, or your hands might fire. Or you might wake up if you dream about a snake trying to bite you, you wake up kicking the covers. I've had that happen to me before. I'm glad nobody has been below me because I probably would have heard them. <laughs> there are various categories of dreaming. There are normal dreams, there are daydreams, there are lucid dreams. You know what a lucid, L-U-C-I-D, dream is? That's when you're dreaming, but you know you're dreaming. Have you ever had that? You're dreaming, but you know you're dreaming. They call that a lucid, L-U-C-I-D, dream. You have false awakening dreams. That's when you dream that you're awake, and you're doing the chores around the house when you're still asleep, or you're doing chores at work, or you're doing chores whatever. You're still asleep. That's called a false awakening dream. And then, of course, there are nightmares. Hollywood has made zillions of dollars off these movies of nightmares. Uh, people, uh, they made a movie years ago about a fella, and they wanted to assassinate him, and they had a way of getting into his dream. And they assassinated him and killed him while he was in the dream. And, of course, his physical body reacted to that. And uh, he died. Now, studies have shown that everyone dreams, but most people don't remember their dreams. We do most of our dreaming doing what they call REM, R-E-M, rapid eye movement, 
You go up to a person and if we're in a deep sleep, you can see their eyes moving behind their eyelids. They call that rapid eye movement, and that's when you're in your deepest form of sleep. And of course, we all know about what we call daydreaming. A daydream is a series of thoughts, perhaps in the mind, that distract one from whatever is going on in the present. It's to imagine, it's to fantasize. All of us have heard somebody say, or maybe we've said, look, uh, pay attention and stop daydreaming. We've all heard that. Many in the modern generation, the young generation, the generation of the phones and the computers and the iPads, many of these people, these young people, are addicted to daydreaming. Because why? Well, because they have what's called a virtual reality. Uh, virtual reality is to create a reality. You've seen these things on the news. Some of you may have some of those machines where you put these goggles on and you feel like you're stepping over a cliff or you're fighting somebody or something like that. That's a virtual reality. And it's been proven, it's being proven, that the more time one spends in the virtual reality world, the more trouble one will have with the reality that God has created. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about dreams, and I'm going to try to move along as quickly as I can. I'd like for you, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Genesis chapter 20. And let me say this. Bring a Bible with you when you come to worship. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, buy you one. If you can't buy one, let me know, and I'll get you one. But bring your Bibles. Uh, it would be like showing up at a math class without your mathematics book, or showing up at uh, English class, and you don't have your English book. So bring your Bible. Let me show you some things about dreams. Genesis chapter 20, the Bible does have a lot to say about dreams, and we're going to investigate a little bit today. The first direct mention of a dream, the first mention of a dream is found here in Genesis chapter 20. And here's, here's the purpose of this dream in Genesis 20, and is this. The Lord sometimes, the God of Abraham, sometimes warned through dreams. Now in Genesis 20, we find that Abraham is staying in a place called Gerah, and he's told the king of Gerah, whose name is Abimelech, he's told him that Sarah, Abraham told him that Sarah was his sister. So notice verse 20, Genesis 20, verse 20, and there is no verse 20. So I've got the wrong chapter. Let's see right here. Uh, well, let me see if I can find it. I don't see it. Let me just tell you the story. Yeah, yeah I do. I see it. It's in, uh, it's in chapter 20, but it's the wrong verse. It says <clears throat> uh, in verse uh, 8, verse 8, verse 6. Verse 6. Verse 4. Let's go back to verse 4. Abimelech had not come near Sarah. Okay, the first three verses is when Abraham says, Sarah is my sister. Sarah is my sister. Verse 2. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerah, sent and took Sarah. He took Sarah into his harem. Then it says in verse 3, that God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said, you are a dead man. 
For the woman which you have taken, she is a man's wife. She is a man's wife. You know, I consulted my notes here, and I had the right verse written out. I was looking somewhere else in my notes. So it is chapter 20, and it's Abraham saying, Sarah is my sister. And so Abimelech took Sarah into his harem of women. And then God comes to Abimelech and says, you better give that man his wife back, or you are a dead man. And Abimelech said, well, now, he said to God, he said, Lord, uh, he told me that she was his sister, and I, have, I haven't touched her. And the Lord said, yeah, I know you haven't touched her. And he said, the reason you didn't touch her is because I didn't let you touch her. That's down in verse 6. God said to him in a dream, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not suffer or allow you to touch her. So here we see that God communicated a warning through a dream, even to a person who probably wasn't a believer in the God of Abraham. Now, let's look in chapter 28, Genesis chapter 28. This is, this is an interesting study. I can't spend, unfortunately, a lot of time today, but just want to expose you to some of it. Genesis chapter 28. This is the second dream recorded in the Bible, and this dream teaches us that the Lord used dreams as a means of comfort, encouragement, and confidence. This is the great chapter of Jacob's ladder. You've all heard about that. Jacob had betrayed his brother Esau. He had tricked his father into giving him the birthright blessing. His mother learned that Esau was going to kill Jacob just as soon as their father Isaac had died. And so she goes to her husband and she says, look, we need to give, uh, we need to give Jacob a vacation because I'm afraid he's going to marry one of these heathen women around here. That was her excuse because that's what Esau had done. So let's send him back home where we came from, where you came from. And they did that. And Jacob was on the way back home, and he was tired. He went to sleep that night. He put his head on a rock. He was tired and lonely and destitute of anyone to console him. And notice verse 12, Jacob dreamed of a ladder which stretched from heaven to earth. He dreamed a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Of course, each one of these things show Christ. Christ is the one that connects heaven and earth. Christ is the one by whom God comes down to man, and Christ is the one by whom man goes up to God. And all of these angels, these messengers, are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They were ascending and descending upon it. And it says, the Lord himself stood at the head of the ladder, verses 12 and 13. So the Lord speaks to Jacob in this dream in a comforting way. Verse 13, he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou lowest uh, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, verse 14, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 
So here's what he says here. He made a promise to Jacob. He said, I'm going to give you the land that I promised to Abraham. That's verse 13. He said, I'm going to multiply your family numerically. That's verse 14. He said, I'm going to make you a blessing. That's verse 14. And he said, I'm going to be with you to bless you and protect you. That's verse 15. So basically, in a word, he says, I'm going to be your guide and I'm going to be your guard wherever you go. And that was a great comfort, no doubt, to Jacob. All right, Genesis chapter 31. This is a dream about prosperity. When Jacob got there, he was deceived. He was cheated ten times by his father-in-law, Laban. And so finally, after 20 years, Jacob got ready to go home. The Lord told him, you can return back home. And Laban was going to ter- he was determined to keep him there. And he said, look, stay and I'll give you anything you want. What do you want? And Jacob said, I don't want anything, but I'll tell you what I will do. Look at verse 31. Genesis chapter 31, I'm sorry, and verse 30. Genesis chapter 31 and verse 30. Laban says, I know you want to go home. I know you're longing after your father's house. Why have you stolen my gods? Now this is after he caught up with him. He, he, the Bible tells us in this chapter that he, he tried to catch him for several days. J- Jacob slipped out and didn't tell anybody that he was going, and Laban caught up with him. And what had, what had Jacob done uh, to, uh, to gain all of the wealth? He had gained all of the wealth of his father-in-law, Laban. What had he done? Well, he did something very unusual. He said, I'm going to... Uh, let the sheep, all of the sheep that are spotted, that are speckled, that have uh, these uh, marks on them, I'll keep those, and the other sheep will be yours. Let's look at chapter 31, where he explains this to his wives. I hope I'm not confusing you. Verse 10, chapter 31, and verse 10. He says, it came to pass at the time that the sheep conceived, I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring-straked, that's spotted, they were speckled, and they were grizzled. So he, he says that God gave him a dream of striped, spotted, and speckled sheep. So he told Laban, I tell you what I'll do, I'll go through the flock and I'll pick out the few little sheep that are striped, spotted, and speckled, and all the ones that are born, striped, spotted, and speckled, will be mine, and the rest of them will be yours. And Laban said, that's great, because he knew that 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 would never happen. But God had told Jacob in a dream to do that, And so he did that, and as a result of that, he gained nearly all the cattle, all the sheep, and all the goats from his father-in-law Laban. All right, hurriedly now. Chapter 31, the fourth dream, is a dream by Laban, and I got ahead of myself. When Laban tried to catch him, tried to catch Jacob to get him to return, and Rachel had taken one of her, uh, one of the gods from Laban. Let's look in chapter 31. I hope I have this right. (laughs) Chapter 31, and it says in verse 22, 
it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. And Laban took his brethren with him, and he pursued after him for seven days. And he overtook Jacob in the Mount Gilead. Now watch this now. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said, Take heed that you speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Let me interpret that for you. He said, I don't want you to even threaten Jacob, much less say anything uh, that would cause him to think, well, I, I better go back. If I don't, I'm going to be in trouble. No, he said, don't you even say anything to him, good or bad. So God warned Laban in a dream. So we got the dream of Laban. The fifth, sixth, and seventh dreams are in chapter 37, which is where we began today. And those are the two dreams of Joseph. Those two dreams of Joseph, the fifth and sixth dreams, and the seventh dream were the dreams of Joseph and Israel's future as a nation. And remember, while Joseph was in prison, the Lord gave a dream to two of his fellow prisoners, the baker and the cupbearer, and the Lord gave Joseph the interpretation of those two dreams, and, Lord, and later the Lord gave Pharaoh a dream. Okay, so that's the sixth and seventh, fifth, sixth, and seventh dream. The baker's dream, the butler's dream, and Pharaoh's dream. Now, there are many dreams recorded in the Old Testament. You're getting an idea about that. The Lord revealed victory to Gideon through a dream. He spoke to Solomon through a dream. He gave dreams of the future to Daniel. The last dream mentioned in the Bible was the dream that God gave to Joseph, the husband of Mary, when God came to him in a dream and said, Do not fear to take unto thee Mary thy wife. But that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. That's the last dream mentioned in the Bible. That's in the New Testament Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. Now, according to Joel, Joel or Joel chapter 2 verse 28, the Lord communicated his will under the law and under the prophets by three means. Visions, dreams, and prophecy. Now, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament. We're almost where I want to get to. Acts chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost. Many people don't realize if you chapter 2, look at verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Many people don't realize because of a misunderstanding of Pentecost, we associate Pentecostalism today, uh, or Pentecost, with Pentecostalism, which is uh, speaking of tongues and gifts of the Holy Spirit and so on. But Pentecost is a Jewish feast. Penta means 50. It occurred 50 days after the Passover. And it was on the Jewish day of Pentecost that God sent His Spirit and this is what Peter says in Acts chapter 2, look at verse 8. The people were saying, how do we hear every man in our own tongue? Now I want you to notice this. I don't have time to go into this this morning. 
But this was not a tongue that people were speaking, and the people speaking it didn't understand it, and nobody else understood it. They said, we hear people speaking in our own tongue. There's the word is glossa in our own language. It is a word that means a language that has an alphabet, a language that can be studied, a language that can be taught, something that you can learn. This is just not like it was down in Mexico when a fella, somebody stole his motorcycle. Did I tell you that joke? Somebody stole his motorcycle and it was a Honda. And he ran into the police station and said, someone stole a Honda, someone stole a Honda. And they said revival broke out in the police station because they thought he was speaking in tongues. Someone stole a Honda. Y'all don't get that one, do you? All right. These people speaking tongues here are speaking, if I, for example, if you spoke German and you didn't understand any English, and while I'm speaking to you today in English, all of a sudden you heard perfect German, and you understood perfect German coming from me when I don't know any German, that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Okay? So watch this. It says, all these people, we do hear them, verse 11, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed, and they were in doubt, and they said one to another, what does this mean? And some of them said, well, these fellows have been drinking, verse 13. They've been drinking wine. Peter stood up and said, no, we hadn't drank any wine because it's just 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's too early to be drinking here. That is down verse 15. These are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is, but the third hour of the day. The first hour of the day is 6 in the morning. Third hour is 9. So he said, we might drink some wine, but we don't drink wine until afternoon. We hadn't drank any wine this morning at 9 o'clock. Now, notice the explanation that Peter gives. Verse 16. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, or Joel. And I gave you that reference a while ago. It's Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. It shall come to pass in the last days, the last days. Keep that phrase in mind now. It shall come to pass in the last days. Now, when he said last days, it's been over 2,000 years since he said last days. You've been in the last days for 2,000 years. I'm going to show you about that in just a moment. I'll give you some more proof about that. It shall come to pass in the last days. He's quoting Joel. Saith God, I will pour out of my spirit. Not pour out my spirit. I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I won't just be dealing with Jews. I won't just be dealing with Israel. I'll be dealing with the Gentiles too. I will pour it out upon all flesh, he says, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now that is a direct quote from Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Now listen to me for just a moment because this is important. These visions that we've hurriedly gone through, these dreams, these prophecies, who gave men those dreams, those visions, and those prophecies? Well, the answer is the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord. 
Now listen to me, because I think this is very important. I wish I had more time to in, in open it up a little bit. But I personally believe that this points to the recording and the completion of the Holy Scriptures. The New Testament is comprised of the visions of young men, the dreams of old men, and the prophecy of the future end of all things. That's what the New Testament is about. It's about the dreams of old men, the visions of young men, and the prophecy of the future, the end of all things. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, and all the others were young men who were given visions when they were young and dreams when they were old. John was the youngest of the apostles, but he was the oldest when the Lord gave him the book of Revelation. John wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he wrote the book of Revelation. He was identified as the youngest of the apostles, but he was the oldest of the apostles. And by the way, he's the only apostle that died a natural death. And what I'm saying to you is I believe the fulfillment of Joel 2.28, which is what Peter says, this is that which was spoken by Joel, that in the last days God would pour out His Spirit, and He said, and your sons and your daughters would prophesy, your young men would see visions, your old men would dream dreams. That, my friends, is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and upon the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and He inspired them to complete the Scriptures, which we call the New Testament. Now, I want you to look at Numbers chapter 12. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers chapter 12. Leviticus, Numbers chapter 12. The leadership of Moses was disputed by Aaron and Miriam. Do you know who Aaron and Miriam are? They were the sister and brother of Moses. Now, Aaron was a few years older than Moses. He was, the, he was Moses' oldest brother, and he became the high priest of Israel. And uh, Miriam, of course, became a prophetess. So the leadership of Moses was disputed by Aaron and Miriam. We're in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Well, there are two ideas about that. One is that his, Moses' wife was an Ethiopian woman. Uh, but the real issue here is they are jealous of Moses' relationship. They're just using the Ethiopian woman as a scapegoat, as an excuse. Now watch this now. They said, here's the real issue, verse 2. Has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not also spoken by us? And the Lord heard it. Now it says, Moses was a very meek man, verse 3. 
In other words, Moses was not the type of person that was going to take up for himself. Now, he'd take up for the Lord, but he wouldn't take up for himself. He was a humble man, a meek man above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord suddenly spake to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, verse 4. And he said, I want you three to come out to the tabernacle. We're going to have a meeting. In verse 5, And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud, and he stood in the door of the tabernacle, and he called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came out. And he said, Now you listen to what I'm going to tell you here. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I'll speak to him in a dream. But not my servant Moses, verse 7. Moses, who's faithful in all of my house, I'll speak to him directly. I will bring my word directly to him, not through a dream and not through a vision. Now, here's a lesson for us here. Direct communication of the Lord by his word is superior to dreams and visions. How does the Lord speak to us today? He speaks directly to us today through his word. More on this in just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 13. See if you can find that. That's the next book. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Here's a warning to Israel about dreamers. A warning about dreamers. Deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 1. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder, watch this now, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass. But part of the sign and wonder is to lure you after other gods. So he might say something that comes to pass, but if you follow him, you're going to be serving other gods. Thou shalt not hearken, you shall not listen, verse 3, to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is proving you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandment and obey his voice and you shall serve him and you shall cleave unto him. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, verse 5, shall be put to death because he has spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage and thrust thee out of the way whence the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. And in this way you will put away evil from the midst of thee. This entire chapter is about this. It's about people that say, I've had a vision. God has spoken to me in a vision. God has given me a dream. How can you test the vision? How can you test the dream? Go back one chapter to chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. How do you test it? Deuteronomy chapter 12. Verse 32 what thing soever I command you, observe to do it. You shall not add to it, nor diminish from it. So what is the Lord saying? He's saying if people say things, and you can't find a foundation or basis for what they say, in the Word of God, you are not to believe it. Who inspired the Word of God? The Spirit of the Lord inspired the Word of God. 
So would the same one who inspired the Word give you a dream or vision that differs from what he said in his Word? No, he will not. You've got all kinds of folks today that claim they've got a vision from God. They've had a dream from God. And the Lord said, you test them by the Word, and if you can't find a principle in the Word, if you can't find the precept in the Word, if you can't find a commandment in the Word or a prohibition in the Word that backs that up, He said, you pay no, absolutely no attention to them. No attention to them. And Paul the Apostle in the New Testament agrees with this conclusion. Listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 1. He says, Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let that person be cursed. As we have said before, I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than which you have received, let him be cursed. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Now I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 23. I'm glad some of you have your Bibles today and all of you need to bring them because I'm going to be referring more to the Scripture. I can get up here and I can talk to you for 45 minutes, and I can entertain you uh, with songs and singing and even with some of my antics in preaching. But that's not the purpose of our coming together. The purpose of our coming together is to learn something substantial from God's Word, something that you can stand on, not me entertaining you and mesmerizing you, but to teach you what the Word of God is. And this is what it says, if you look over here in Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. Now you notice the chapter begins with a woe, verse 1. Woe to the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pastor, saith the Lord. He said, I'm against you. You've scattered my flock. You've driven them away. You didn't visit them, so I'm going to visit you with judgment. And he says, I'm going to gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I've scattered them, and so on. Now, look at verse 25. Verse 25, same chapter, verse 25. I have heard what the prophets said, that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed, how long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their father have forgotten my name for Baal. Now watch this. This is very important. Verse 28 is a, is a verse that you should mark. The prophet that has a dream, let him tell a dream. He that has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord. He says that his word is the foundation, not the dreams. And he goes on to say, he goes on to say in the, in the next verse, he says, Is it my word like fire, saith the Lord? Is it my word like fire? fire that burns up the chaff and that uh, like a hammer that breaks up 
the rock, verse 29. Behold, I'm against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words. In other words, they'll take enough of the Bible, they'll steal enough of the Bible, and then add it to what they think you want to hear. And they'll tell you what you want to hear, just like it says in the New Testament, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and turn their ears from the truth, and the truth will be turned into fables. I want you to feel good. I want you to go through life rejoicing and praising the Lord. I want you to understand that your God is a God that blesses you. I want you to understand that your God is a God who can meet all of your needs. But the purpose of hearing the truth is not to feel good. It is to know the truth. It is to stand on the truth. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the preachers say. It doesn't matter what the churches say. What does God say? What does He say? And we're being pulled aside today by all of these happy folks that uh, think that the purpose of worship is to make you feel good. I think a while ago when we sang those songs, I bet most of you were tapping your foot. That's all right to tap your foot. It's all right to clap. It's all right to raise your hands. That's fine to do that. There's no problem. I don't have a problem with it. You might think I do, but I don't. (laughs) I grew up around folks that did a lot of shouting and all of that in worship. That's where I learned all of these, you know, when I go up to Michigan, the church up there at Kent Clark Passes is at least, at least 40% of black people. And I'm, I'm what you call a Georgia cracker. <laughs> I'm a white guy from Georgia. And I go up there to Michigan, and these black guys say, Brother Sasser, would you teach us some of those black gospel songs? And here I am up there trying to teach them some of the songs I learned from some of my black friends when I was a little boy, eight, six, five, seven, eight, nine years old. As I think I've told you recently, we still stay in touch two of those black people and try to help them as much as we can. We spend hours talking to Lucille, is her name, uh, on the phone. Her name was not Lucille when I was growing up. You'd never guess what her name was. Her name was Snoots. Snoots, S-N-O-O-T-S. You never heard anybody named Snoots, have you? Her name was Lucille, but that was the name that she went by, Snoots. She had a brother named Major. Sometimes they called him preacher, and they're still living. And I went down to their house, and they are always standing around, and they didn't have any instruments, but they could play and sing, and that's the first music that I heard. So I don't have anything against that, but I tell you this. I remember DJ Ward. We watched DJ a little bit last night on YouTube. And I remember D.J. Ward saying in a meeting, I was preaching in this meeting with him, and he said to his people, he said, if I said Johnny Crack Corn, you'd say hallelujah. (laughs) My friends, we need to know what we're amening. We need to know what we are praising the Lord about, and it needs to be truth. It needs to be truth. So notice this 28th verse. He says, if you got a dream, go ahead. Tell your dream. But he that has my word... Let him speak my word faithfully. What's chaff to the wheat? My word is like fire. It burns up the chaff. It's like a hammer. It breaks the rock in pieces. And so I'm against the prophets 
verse 30, that steal my words. I'm against the prophets that use their tongues, verse 31, verse 31, and says, the Lord hath spoken to me. The Lord saith. The Lord spoke to me last night. Spoke to me in a dream last night. Spoke to me in a vision last night. Let me stand up and tell you what God said. I don't need for you to tell me what God said. I got 66 books right here that tell me what God says. You need to learn what he says in this book. Nothing that people say in dreams or visions can contradict anything God has forever said in his word. In fact, the Bible says God has exalted his word above his name. So maybe you've never heard that interpretation that I gave to Joel 2.28, but that's my position on it. When Joel said, I'm going to give dreams to your old men, visions to your young men, and prophecy, those were the three mediums by which God spoke in the past, dreams, visions, prophecy. And then he brought that on the day of Pentecost, and he inspired the apostles who were young people at that time. And they wrote the scriptures that we have. And then when they were old, he gave them dreams like he gave John on the island of Patmos when he wrote the book of Revelation. And the prophecy that we have today, listen carefully now, the Old Testament prophets were, they were those who told what happened before it came, right? What we need today are people who tell forth. Not who foretell, but who tell forth the truth. The New Testament speaks of New Testament prophets. And a New Testament prophet is a prophet that tells forth the truth of the Word of God. All right, I'm going to have to stop. I won't even get through this morning. But let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament, it'll take you a minute to find it. Chapter 1. It's about probably 80% through the New Testament you'll find the book of Hebrews. And I want to show you this. The Lord, as I'm going to show you next week, spoke through Moses and he spoke through Moses about a prophet who would come. And this prophet, he said to Moses, he'll be like you, Moses. He'll be a man of authority. He'll be a man of power. And his word will be the final word. And that person that Moses spoke about is the one we call Jesus, the Messiah. But we'll look at that, God willing, we'll look at that next week. Hebrews chapter 1. And I'm going to reemphasize this next week. We won't look at so many passages, but I think maybe, hopefully, today I've laid the foundation for you to give you an understanding of what I'm going to say next week, God willing, and I live. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, I'm reading from the King James Version. You will have a little different translation. God who at sundry times, different times, God who at different times, and in divers manners, various manners, God who at different times and in various ways spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. 
So I ask you this question. How did God communicate his mind in time past? By the prophets, right? The prophets said this, thus saith the Lord. The prophets presented God's mind to the people. The priest went to God on behalf of the, of the people. You understand? The prophet said, this is the will of God. The priest said, Lord, forgive your people of their sins. And the king, he ruled the people of God. Only one person in all of history is prophet, priest, and king, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. David was a prophet, and he was a king, but he was not a priest. And I go through all those characters. But the Lord Jesus Christ is prophet, priest, and king. All right, now, in the past, God spoke in the past unto the fathers by the prophets. I don't see any problem understanding that. Verse 2, he has in these last days. Now, there's that phrase again. I told you to remember that a few minutes ago. In these last days. That's what Joel said. Joel said in the last days, God is going to give visions to young men, dreams to old men, and a prophecy. And that's what the entire New Testament is. It's the dreams of old men, it's the visions of young men, and it's the prophecy of things to come. Now watch this. He has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Now, my friend, time is divided into two great chapters, time past and last days. <clears throat> the last days began when the Lord Jesus was born in this world. He has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. The New Testament is a Christotestic book. What does that mean? It testifies of Christ. The New Testament is a Christotelic, T-E-L-I-C, Christotelic book. What does that mean? It means the end of everything is Christ. The New Testament, especially the entire Bible, but the New Testament especially is Christ-centered. Last passage, John's Gospel. I think I got this one right. John's Gospel, chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 5. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus in this chapter compares himself to bread, uh, to uh, the living bread that came down uh, from heaven. And he says that he is the true witness. He is the burning light. But here's the passage I want you to read. Actually, he's presented his bread in chapter, chapter 6. I want you to look at chapter 5, John chapter 5. Look at verse 39, and you ought, to, you ought to mark this passage. Search the Scriptures. In them, he's talking to the Jews now, 
You think you have eternal life. And what are the Scriptures about, Lord? They are they which testify of me. And you won't come to me that you might have life. See, they, they believed that the more Scripture you memorized, the more Scriptures you could quote, they, they held it over the people, that the people were lost and didn't know anything because they were the Bible scholars. And Jesus tells them, you don't even know what the Bible teaches. See, the Bible is not primarily about Israel. The Bible is not primarily about the church. The Bible is not primarily a book of history. The Bible is about Christ. It's about Christ. He said, these are they which testify of me. They testify of me. If you don't see me in the Scriptures, you're blind. You're not reading the Scriptures right. Everything testifies of Christ. Everything points to Christ so that men might come to Christ. He said, you won't come to me. You'll go to church. You'll have celebrations. You'll go to song services. You'll, you'll come at 4 o'clock in the morning to see gospel groups sing all night long, but you won't come to me. You'll be entertained on your way to hell, but you won't come to me. He said, I know you, verse 32. I know you. You don't have the love of God in you. You claim you love God. You don't have the love of God in you because you won't listen to me, and I'm God's son, and he sent me. And you make a big deal out of Moses. Okay, look at verse 46. John chapter 5, verse 46. Had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? He said, if you were, if you were reading Moses right, you'd believe me. You'd see that Moses wrote about me. The person I mentioned to you earlier that I'm going to try to expose you to next week, the person Moses said is going to be like me, but he's going to be the final word in God's program. And that's what we just read in Hebrews chapter 1. God in time past spoke by the prophets. In these last days he has spoken by his Son. And everything that God has said in the Bible points to, is fulfilled by, is seen in its right colors in Christ. In Christ. So always be looking for Christ. That's why I say that the Bible is a hymn book, H-I-M. It reveals Him. It shows Him. I hope the Lord will show you that dreams and visions, we've all had them. I've had dreams. Most of my dreams, of course, I don't remember, but sometimes I do remember them. And I wouldn't waste my time trying to interpret your dream. <laughs> I wouldn't waste my time. Because you got a word here from God that's superior to dreams and visions. And even if God spoke to you in a dream, even if he spoke to you in a dream, it has to be substantiated by what he's already said in his word. And if it's different from the word, then you mark it down, that dream is not from God. Remember that. All right, let's stand together. May the Lord add his blessings.
Well, I knocked it off. He's still on. Okay. Folks, listen to me. I have a great time worshiping, and I don't have to be doing the preaching. I can have somebody else do the preaching, and I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed Brother Bob. I enjoy Joe when he teaches. I enjoy Nelson when he teaches. When we have guest speakers here, I enjoy them. I don't have to be doing the preaching and teaching. But when a man teaches and preaches, I want to hear something about Christ. I want to hear something about the bread of life. I want to hear something about the one who died for me. I want to hear something about the one who was on that cross, who was buried, who rose again the third day. He ascended into heaven, and he's now praying in heaven for me. He's interceding for me. I want to hear something about him. And if I don't hear something about him, in my opinion, it's not worth taking my time to go to worship. I say this uh, in a sad, with a sad heart. I've been going out to, to Texas for well over 50 years. A long time. That's where Lynn is from. She's from Texas. And every time I've been out there in Texas on a Sunday, we always go to worship somewhere. And I have never found a church in 50 years where a preacher just stands up and tells us about Christ. In 50 years, I've gone to every church you can go to. I've gone to Pentecostal churches. I've gone to Baptist churches. I've gone, I, I don't mind going to a Catholic mass. But I want to hear about Christ. Because that's the only hope I've got is Christ. Okay? I like doctrine. I like philosophy. But I want to hear about Christ. My friends, if you haven't closed with Christ, if you haven't come to Christ, if you haven't believed on Christ, if you haven't received Christ, then you need to do that. You need to do that. And you, the Lord will teach you. He'll teach you as you go along. He'll lead you. But you need to do that. I, I, I was baptized three times. Most of you know my testimony. I was baptized when I was about 10, 12 years old. I was as lost as a goose, but I was doing what everybody told me to do. I was baptized again when I was about 20 years old. And I was baptized then because Lynn had been baptized and the Lord saved her. And I thought maybe if I was baptized and followed what she did, I'd have something. But what I did then is I did try to be faithful to that profession of faith. I sat under the Word consistently, and the pastor that we had at that time was a pastor who did preach the Word of God at that time in his life. And I came to know the Lord. So maybe some of you were baptized at some time, but you, you haven't known the Lord. You haven't really believed on Him. You need to do that, and you need to confess Him openly, and you need to be baptized in His name. And may the Lord help you to do that. All right, let's sing our little song, In the Blood of Christ. Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's fold. Under the blood of Jesus, safe while the ages roll. Safe though the 
the stars grow dim under the blood of Jesus I am secure in him the Lord bless thee and keep thee the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, I pray for his sake. Amen.